Well, let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's turn back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 this evening. If you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you know that we have spent our time together on Wednesday nights working through two different notable patterns in the book of Matthew. And tonight I want to take up another pattern that's found here in Matthew's gospel. Once again, the pattern's found in the next section of our Lord's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and we want to go back to this text to consider it. To begin with, what I want to do is I just want you to note uh, the way that our Lord introduces this next section of the text. It's in chapter 6 and verse 1. We read very simply there these words, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let's just pause right there for a moment before we go any further. In in this opening verse, our our Lord sets the stage for everything that He's going to cover in most of the rest of this chapter. And I want you to notice that King Jesus is sounding a warning for those who would follow Him faithfully. This is a warning. Beware, He says. And his warning is clear. He states it plainly. Do not practice your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. I want to be really clear about this. He is not saying that we should not do good works that others can see. I want you to read that and say, well, then I just don't need to do anything that people can see, right? I shouldn't do anything that people can see. And we know that's, the, that that's not the case because of what he said in the previous chapter. In chapter 5 and verse 16, he said this very plainly, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He's not contradicting himself. He didn't say in one text in, in just the previous chapter, do good works in front of other people so that they see them And then turn around and say, now I don't want you to do anything in front of people that can be seen. That's that's not the argument. Notice the language again in the verse that we just read. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Notice the issue here is not doing good works that can be seen. The issue is doing good works in order to be seen. And he's saying, if the heart's desire is just to be noticed and to be applauded, that's the problem. We should do good works for others to see to the end that God is glorified. Not to the end that we are thought well of, that we are applauded. So Jesus is laying this out. Plainly, he says, do not practice your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's the goal. Of the heart. Now I want you to watch the repetition of the language that our Lord uses the next few paragraphs to drive home illustrations for this principle. He says, Beware, your heart's gonna want to do this, my heart's gonna want to do this. He says, Beware, be on guard, because your heart's gonna go here. I've just told you, do good work so that your father is glorified, and you're gonna want to do good work so that you are glorified. Don't let your heart go there. And he gives three illustrations of areas of life where we are going to be tempted 
to practice our righteousness, to do our good works in order to be seen by others. And watch the, watch the pattern. So, so beginning in verse 2, he lays out the first illustration. What does he say? Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, here's the command. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice the language here. He says, guard yourself from yourself. Don't even let your other hand know what the other hand is doing. Do it so secretly that your own heart can't be led astray into doing it so that others pat you on the back and praise you for what you've done. He says, no, your heart's going to want this. Don't let it happen. In verse 5, he moves on to the second illustration. He says, first of all, he's got giving. Secondly, notice what he says, verse 5. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, some translations say closet, and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In order to drive it home, He then teaches how to pray. You guys know this text, right? Verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes on to explain. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So what do we find? We find an illustration about giving. We find an illustration about praying. And then we find one more illustration in the next paragraph, three short verses. We read verses 16 and following. Here's what we read. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
My friends, it's interesting to note the fact that our Lord uses these three common spiritual disciplines as examples of good deeds that we are not to be showy about as we walk with and before him. And three things he names, he uses as illustrations, are giving, praying, and fasting. Just think about it. The text is telling us, Jesus our Lord is saying that our fallen hearts know how to take three of the most intimate and personal parts of the Christian's walk. Means of grace. And twist them to make them about self-promotion. Our hearts know how to take things given to us by God for our relationship with Him. And make them all about us. Being seen, being noticed, being praised. And friends, that's exactly what the Lord is warning us about in the passage, not to go there. And I think that's on the surface. I, th I think we all see that. We've seen it before. I don't think anything I've just said to you is probably new to us. We've probably seen various parts of this or, or aspects of this before. Now, but friends, I want to pause right here and I want you to consider a related thought. And this is where my mind was kind of delving into some things I'd not really wrestled with before. I noticed some things in my study this time that I hadn't seen with the same kind of clarity. I think that most of us would diagnose the root problem in this passage as pride. I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. I want to be praised. I want to be uh, thought well of. I, I, I want to be applauded, right? I, I think when we read those phrases, we think, my mind thinks this and has thought this often, that the root problem in this passage is actually the problem of pride. But in my read through this time, one of the things I noticed that I think our Lord is actually pointing out a different root problem than we would like to think. And the root problem that he is actually pointing out, saying that underlies this kind of behavior, while yes, pride may be a factor, the root problem here is the problem of unbelief. Unbelief. Now, this is one of those sins that we don't, as believers, want to acknowledge we wrestle with. We don't like to think of ourselves as, as unbelieving believers. And yet so often, the very root of the problems our Lord addresses are the fact that we're not believing the right things about our God, about ourself, about His economy. In fact, once more, I think we need to note the pattern of the passage. Just look at the language. He, he repeats himself three different times in the passage. He, he makes it really, really plain in, in verses 3 and 4. Notice again what, what we read there. And notice what I'm highlighting this time. He said this, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And what will happen? Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Keep reading. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. No, verse 8, do not be like them. Why? For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He continues, verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may, be seen, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and he says it a third time. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, friends, according to King Jesus, seeking our reward by doing our righteousness in order to be seen and praised by men is evidence of a heart that does not believe what it should about God. I don't believe I'm going to get my reward. So I'm going to make sure I get it now. I don't really believe God is noticing. I don't believe that he's seeing. I don't believe that he's keeping track. I don't believe that he is actually going to reward what he has promised to reward. So I'm going to make sure that I am noticed now. I am seen now, I am praised now. I'm not believing what's true about God. In fact, we might rightly categorize this. I think we could say rightly pride laced. Unbelieving sin that our Lord is warning us about as a subtle form of. Of idolatry. I will replace the true God. With lesser gods who scratch my itch now. With others who will see and notice and pat me on the back and make me feel good about myself. Now I will not wait on the one who has promised to be more than enough for me now and forever. It's idolatry. Replacing the true God with a lesser one that I feel like meets my needs now when I want him met rather than waiting on the one who will ultimately and eternally supply everything he's promised. So let's not forget that there's other connections. We won't chase all of the texts in scripture we could, but we actually noted one in our second hour on Sunday that I think is worth, worth remembering. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. The writer of Hebrews says this about the true believer in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe two things. That he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. I think some of us may subtly pride ourselves in the fact that we believe one of those. Oh, we believe he exists. 
But we don't really believe he rewards. Because we're scratching and we're striving and we're pursuing our reward at every turn here and now rather than trusting that the true God, the one we believe exists, is a rewarder of those who seek him. I don't think it should surprise us then when we realize that when our Lord taught us to pray, he emphasized what he did. Tucked right in the middle of the passage we're studying, we read through the Lord's Prayer. But I want you to notice that three different times he directs us upward. Because we tend to live as though prayer is about getting your needs met now, right? You think about the average prayer meeting, it's all about the stuff we want. We want healing, we want health. And, and, and it's not wrong to pray for things. He's told us to come before his throne. But you think about how much of our prayer lives is about getting what we want and listen to the way he told us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, not praised be mine, applauded be mine, noticed be mine, hallowed be Yours. My will be done. My kingdom come. No, no. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. Yes, there's petition. But notice it's not the kind of prayer that most of us would think to pray. It's give us what we need for today, meet our need. Supply what we lack. We're not asking that you fill our pantries. We're asking that you fill our bellies so that we don't starve. It's a Solomonic type prayer. Give me neither too much nor too little. Because you give me too much, I'll forget you. You give me too little, I may blaspheme you and defame your name by stealing to get what I want out of life. God, give me what you as the sovereign, wise, all-knowing king of the universe knows is best for me. And forgive us how the same way we forgive others. See, what we want is forgive us even when we don't forgive others, right? Like, like, that, that's, that's the way we want to pray. Just, just give me what I want. Give me peace and comfort. It doesn't matter what I do or how I... No, no, no. What's he say? Forgive me just like I forgive others. And then he says twice, that forgiveness you want coming from your father's hand, here's how he gives it. There's a lot here, obviously. I'm not arguing that there is no pride attached to the things that are here. The sins that he warns against. But you know what? I found this. 
Far more Christians are perfectly happy to shrug and admit their pride. Guess what? Because we say we're all proud. You know how often I hear people confess unbelief? Not very often. And I think one of the reasons that we find the word or the, the root to be something we don't have any problem dealing with is because we are perfectly happy to admit what everybody else around us admits. What's he tell us? The issue here is not so much that you're just proud. It's that you're so proud you think you're God. You're not believing what's true about him. I'm not believing what's true about him. Namely, he exists and he rewards. The writer of Hebrews says, if I don't believe these things, he will not be pleased with me. So tonight, what I want to do is this. I want us to go to prayer. And I want us to pray tonight as people who acknowledge, as we've seen in the study this evening, that our tendency is to seek our reward too soon and from the wrong people. We're, 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 we're too much like the brother who sells his birthright, right? Esau comes in from the field. I'm starving. Just give me some soup now. I'll give you the inheritance. Just give me a bowl of soup. How much like him are we? Just give me a round of applause. I don't really care what God's promised. Just praise me now. Just like me now. Just thank me now. Just notice me now. Oh, friends, we're so temporally minded naturally. I found my own heart convicted this week. As I read back through these words that I've studied and I've preached many times. But I saw a connection here to a root problem that I don't think I've connected the dots on before. I've tended to think this is just a pride problem. No, this is an unbelief problem. This is an idolatry problem. This is a value problem. Just give me comfort now. Give me peace now. Give me thanks now. Give me praise now. I won't worry about what's coming. And we demonstrate when we live like this. We don't really believe what we say we believe. Because what we say we believe is that we serve the true God who doesn't just exist. He rewards so let us not exchange his reward for that which I can coax out of lesser gods, mere mortals, and think that's enough. If I can keep my family happy, that'll be enough. If I can keep my kids happy, that'll be enough. If I can keep my wife happy, that'll be enough. If I can keep my parents happy, that'll be enough. If I can keep my church happy, that'll be enough. No, it's not. You and I were made for so much more than 
but we sell the birthright for a momentary blessing. And we demonstrate when we do our unbelief that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has said he will do. So I want to call you with the words of Jesus to pray tonight as one who acknowledges your own tendency as I have to acknowledge mine to seek my reward too soon and from the wrong people. And to understand and understanding that I should say then to go to prayer tonight and to cry out to God as a people who believe those two things we saw that he exists and that he rewards. So let's pray like that tonight. Not just as believers in his existence, but believers in his promise to reward those who truly seek him. And to that end, I want us to pray tonight that he might be glorified and honored in our lives.